Hey, everybody. You know, Mark and I have over 20 years of experience as therapists and as addicts in long-term successful recovery. We know better than anyone what works and what doesn't to break out of porn and sex addiction, heal betrayal trauma, and reclaim your relationship. And we've poured all of our personal and professional recovery and healing experience into a first-of-its-kind program for addicts, spouses, and couples. We call it Dare to Connect. At least four times every week, we engage with you in real time, in the trenches, giving you the knowledge and the tools to take back your life and relationship. Whatever else you've done on your journey for healing and recovery, you've never done anything like this. You know, Mark and I, we've made all the mistakes, so you don't have to. Don't reinvent the wheel. We all know tomorrow never comes. Look, don't wait one more day to change. Claim your free two-week trial today at daretoconnectnow.com. Hey, everybody. I'm Steve Moore. And I'm Mark Castleman. We know the pain and heartbreak of porn and sex addiction. And we know the triumph of breaking completely free. Every day, we help our clients find hope and healing. Join us in the fight to take back your life, your marriage, and be stronger than ever. This is the PBSC Squared Podcast. Hey, everybody, Mark and Steve on the PBSC podcast. Uh, actually, we're, uh, I'm kind of doubling this today as I do a lot of trainings for my clients. Mm. And as Steve and I were talking about this, we thought, wow, this would be a great uh, topic for us to hit for clients and our PBSC listening audience. So we're kind of doing double duty with this today. Awesome. Um, so there's something that I faced a ton in my... Ah, I was going to say my addiction years. It seems like my whole life, um, just this whole, I like to call myself uh, in the past. And sometimes if I'm not paying attention, I will fall into this today. The professional wallower. Mm. Right? Getting down into a deep, dark place of hopelessness and despair and woe is me. I'm a loser. I'm a piece of crap. I'm a piece of trash. I've blown my past life in every possible way. So what's the point? My future shot to hell because I'm the <laughs> loser there too. And it's so easy to go into this place where you just see no point in any of it. And you put your head down and you trudge forward in your life. Yeah. yeah. And if you want to talk about a big, gigantic setup for addiction or uh, for those listening, if you know if you've got a lot of trauma in your life, it's it's not to say that these feelings are not legitimate, even mm -hmm. for those suffering with addiction. I'm not trying to make smaller light of these feelings. They're real, yeah. and they're and they're always the result of some kind of trauma, pain, uh, trying to cope with life the best we can. Yeah, all of the stuff that hits us at once, and sometimes the brain just says, "I'm just going to go into my wallowing mode." Mm. It's going to go into my, my stuck mode, my apathy mode, my whatever, because I don't have any en energy to do anything else. And so I would get stuck in that place a lot. I also say I've got, you know, like 20 uh, 
gold medals in self-flogging hanging on my wall. You know, Mark, the, the, the gold medalist in self-flogging, if it's that's an Olympic event. Yeah. And so as we start to talk about that, I've had a lot of clients lately that I've found have kind of been stuck in this place. And one of the things I think that throws us into this place is this cultural this cultural norm or philosophy that says it's all about your motivation and your goals. Mm, you just need to yeah. have goals and then you need to be motivated enough to go after them, right? You need, if you, you got to want it bad enough, you just need to try harder. Mm-hmm. And so it's this whole motivation, motivation. And I, and I tried that like so many listening for years, you know, try harder, try harder. And, and the problem with that is, from a neuroscience standpoint, motivation or willpower is a limited resource. Yep. There's some wonderful research out of uh, Florida State, as I recall, about this willpower motivation fuel tank <clears throat> that we all have in our brains. And it's kind of a daily, daily fuel tank situation. And when it's empty, you got nothing, right? If you're trying to rely on willpower to get you through to make good choices or not to go into addiction or wallowing, if it's pure willpower, you're dead. Because yeah. if you have a stressful morning, by noon, your willpower tank's empty. And mm. if that's all you've got, it's, it's over. So to say, well, you just got to want it bad enough or try hard enough. I found that there's a different formula that is very much more the case. And, and it's what I yeah. call meaning. And I know, Steve, you call it vision. Mm-hmm. Vision or meaning then equals a purpose, which then motivates me to make choices in the moment. Mm, the vision yeah. or meaning gives me purpose, which then gives me the motivation to do. Yeah. yeah. Now, as you look at that, here's the crazy part. If I apply that formula to my addiction, it fits. Mm-hmm. I'll give an example. If my meaning or my vision of myself and my life is, I'm a loser, I'm a piece of crap, my whole past life has been a failure. I've blown just about everything you can blow. If all of that's true, then that meaning or vision now gives me a purpose, which is I am going to go try to find a way to self-medicate and escape and cope because this is the meaning and vision I have for myself. Yeah. So the formula even works on the addiction on the negative side. Yeah. If I'm always focused on my mistakes and that I don't measure up and I'm not one of the good ones and boy, somebody like me doesn't really have a future, listen to that meaning and then look at the purpose it gives me to then go seeking ways to cope with that. Oh, it's a great, uh, it's a great point. And it's, and it's so good that we're talking about this because I, you know, I agree. I, you know, we've, we've discussed more on, on this podcast and in other venues, you know, more than once how you know, we, we, there are multiple reasons, right? Why, for example, pornography addiction, you know, has such a negative impact, but in some ways in my, you know, in my 10 years of doing this professionally and 20 some odd years personally, I would, I would say that the porn in some respects is almost the damage that it causes from, a, you know, outside external consequences piece is almost secondary to the internal consequences, right? In terms of how I've, in in a couple of ways, but the big one that you're talking about is how I perceive myself. Oh, so true, right? The internal damage, what it, right? What it does to the meaning and vision that we have for ourselves inside. 
Well, our brains, because our brains are evidence-based, right? We form a concept of reality based on what we experience. Yes. What we go through in life, that becomes our norm. And for many of us addicts, you know, this is one of those cases where the earlier on we got caught up in this mess. I mean, I work with guys routinely who got stuck in this, you know, beginning as early on as with either sexual trauma or actual addiction, addictive compulsive behavior at six to eight years old. Oh, yeah. I myself, it was 12. And obviously, the earlier on, this is going to be true. But like when I got to a point, and Mark, you have talked about this too. I think many of our clients feel this way as well. When we get to a point where we're actually ready to maybe change or make a change, we just can't. The, the, it's, uh, the, the analogy I usually uh, bring up is like, it would be like a native like Inuit tribe up in Alaska restricted from like the world kind of live, you know, outside of like, you know, modern day. Right. And it would be like an Inuit tribe. Uh, here comes along a, a rowboat with a guy wearing Oakley's in a, you know, a Hawaiian shirt and, you know, rose up on the shore with like a palm tree and like coconuts. And, and is like, let me tell you about this place called Hawaii. <laughs> right. Right. It's just, it's, it's, it would be so, I can only imagine, I don't know for sure, but I, I could kind of relate to that as an addict because that's how it felt when people started talking about real recovery. Right. I would go to these 12 step meetings at the beginning of this process and guys would be in there talking about how grateful they were for like 14 years of sobriety and how connected their marriages were. And I would sit there and I think I've mentioned this before. I used to get pissed. Like I would be like, what the hell? Like, 14 years? Like, I can't go 14 minutes. If I make it to the end of this meeting without relapsing, I'm going to be lucky. And here are these people talking about how this is this is possible. And, and so sometimes I think that's the biggest barrier when we continually engage with something like pornography addiction or as trauma victims, when we are continually in a relationship where certain messages are being sent about our worth, about our value, right? About what is quote unquote normal in a relationship, et cetera, et cetera. It is really hard to break out of that place and to, and to adopt the Hawaiian in a t-shirt mentality. Yeah, no, it's a great point. And, and so, you know, I'm going to, I'm, I, I'm going to bring up for you to respond to, I have some clients, uh, right now, uh, you know, I have clients locally, but all over the world, some of them, if, if you were to just come at it from a factually based place, mm-hmm. you have to say to yourself, these guys or gals have a good point. So some mm-hmm. of them, for example, are single. Yeah. They've had multiple failed marriages. Some of them have never been married. Mm-hmm. Some of them come to me and say, Mark, you know, I'm 50 years old. I'm 60 years old. Look at the evidence of my life. It's yeah. wreckage. And you're telling me that I can have vision and meaning and purpose that is positive and hopeful mm-hmm. based on what? Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at, I'm looking at what, what things, quote, are, and you're telling me that I should be having this hopeful vision and meaning in my life to go forward with something hopeful. I, I, I can't see it. Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you say to those people? Because, in, in, you know, in some ways, they're right. Yeah. A lot of the women I work with, they've had some really ho- horribly traumatic lives. Mm-hmm. And they're just looking at me going, Mark, I don't know what evidence you're asking me to base this hope on that I can go forward to do something different. Yeah. 
Well, and that's a great question because, yeah, breaking through that initial barrier is one of the bigger challenges I think we see with clients. And it's one of those bigger internal struggles of recovery and really whether you're an addict or a spouse kind of quote unquote buying in, right? Yes. It's being able to. So kind of taking my my guy in the Hawaiian, you know, shirt example. That rose uh, up to the Eskimos shore. Yeah, exactly. Just like <laughs> out of nowhere, right? Just completely foreign and the polar opposite of everything they've ever known, you know? Um, what you have, I think that the first step has to be, you have to have an openness to at least the possibility that it could be different. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is, and this is, you know, this is a spiritually based podcast. We talk about this often. What my faith tradition teaches me, I come from a Christian background, as I know the majority of our listeners do, is that when I, when I, in Christianity, what we are taught in one way or another is that I don't have to be the same person today that I was yesterday and that I'm not going to be, I don't have to be the same person tomorrow that I am today, right? It tells me that I have the ability to change, to grow, to better, to, to do something different than I am. And I think, and, and like you said, that's a big wall to come up against. But if we can just entertain, if one can begin to entertain the possibility, maybe, just maybe, to quote Jafar from, from Aladdin, <laughs> things are not always what they seem, right? <laughs> right, right. Right. Maybe, just maybe, I'm not seeing the full picture here. And if you can even just start with that, that's where I will usually begin to work with the client. And I will, we will start to set goals or we will begin just exploring. Like, it, let's just say randomly, we could make this happen. I know you think it's impossible, <laughs> right? And I've been there too. But if, but if, if this were possible, right? If you were able to be, for example, sober for five years, if you're, I'll throw myself an example. If you were seven years into sobriety, what do you think your marriage might be able to look like? Or what do you think your life might be able to be, right? It's, it's almost kind of that dare to dream concept. Yes. Yes. Right. Introducing this idea of just like allow practicing, allowing your brain just to entertain in a theoretical world, you know, we, we, we addicts, we're so good at fantasizing. So let's use that, that adeptness at fantasizing in a positive way. <laughs> right? I talk, right? Yeah, I, I, I tell guys, say, look, you're already good at this. How do I know you're good at visualizing and having meaning and, and seeing things in your mind? <laughs> You've been doing it for years or decades <laughs> in your addiction. So true. You're, you're capable of incredible fantasy and imagination and seeing what can be and then following through on it to make it reality. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's been used in addiction, but you know the formula. Totally. You know, for for our single people, it's like, you know, we talk about our marriage could be better. Well, there are those listening who say, well, I I don't have a marriage. I never have, or I've had lots of failed ones. I don't see any hope for me going forward. Well, what if you were to start to just dare to, okay, maybe it's slightly possible. What if I were to begin to move a little bit outside myself? Mm-hmm. And just sort of become just slightly others centered and begin to engage and connect what's possible. Yeah. Well, let me try little baby steps and let's see if we can build just a tiny bit of evidence. Yeah. But it's, yeah, no, absolutely. The brain doesn't want to look at it. No, no, don't do that because what's the great protection mechanism? You're just going to try this and then you're going to fail like always and then you're going to be disappointed. Yeah. So don't and, we're, and that is part of why we avoid that, right? Is because we're looking, the brain is looking to avoid that additional pain 
of of failing yet again. Yes. Right. Or being maybe not even failing, just being let down again. Yes. Or disappointed again. Um, and so yeah, this is I mean, it's a huge barrier. And you know, as I as I'm thinking about this, just kind of watching our time, you know, when when it comes to you know, bringing someone out of that place. I've used examples of this as you have as well, Mark, on the podcast. You've got to find and grab onto something that can maybe be emblematic of that vision for you. You know, I oftentimes with clients, for example, will have them find a tangible object that maybe is representative of some of the traits or the attributes or the vision that they would like to have. Right. I had a guy in my, I had a guy that I worked with not too long ago we were talking about things that he had in his recovery toolkit. And most of you know, in 12-step groups, there are they give out coins for different levels of sobriety and things like that. And, and oftentimes, Zach's will carry those in, in their pocket. I had a guy that I was working with whose brother had passed away. He was in the military. He'd been killed in action. Mm. And he had one of those military challenge coins from his unit. If you guys know what a challenge coin is, different military branches create these for different units. And they're given out to different members of the military by other members of the military as a thank you or whatever. And he had one of his brother's challenge coins. Mm. It makes me emotional to think about it. He would keep it in his pocket and he would rub it mm. because his brother represented it. He was emblem. It was his older brother that he loved and respected. Who was emblematic of this guy who was what everything that he wanted to be. He was disciplined. He was regulated, right? He was in control. He would, he loved his family and his and his kids. He had a strong sense of duty and honor and serving his country. All of these things that he wanted to be was encapsulated in that coin. Yes. And every time he wanted or be, his brain would begin to question, this won't work. You may as well go act out. It's not a question of if you're going to fail. Let's call him Joe. It's just a question of when, right? Why bother? He would rub that coin and say, this is what I'm shooting for. I love this is that. what I'm aiming for. Yeah. I don't even know if I can do it, but yep. he did it and I'm going to try. There's that tangible physical uh, manifestation of meaning, right? Yes. Of vision. And, and for me, I, in fact, I had a client, uh, a, client uh, uh, a little while back where I actually dared to start to question, for example, his very rigid religious tradition. Mm, because yeah. he felt that based on based on the religious template or the religious traditional religious plan, he had failed it miserably in his life. Mm. And I challenged him and said, perhaps it's time for you to begin to actually open yourself to stepping outside that. Yeah. Maybe that doesn't serve you. Mm, and yeah. Yet, and so part of this meaning is we need to be willing to challenge our old meanings, even those which we believe are non-negotiable, non-changeable, fixed, and and rigid. No, you can't. You can't question that. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe you need to. You talk about the coin that your client would rub, and it would remind him of all these attributes of his older brother. One of the one of the emblems of meaning for me that got me through one of the lowest points in my life is uh, so I'm I have a Christian faith like you and many of our listeners. I have this favorite picture of Jesus. Yeah, it's in a little kind of battered up wooden frame, and I literally would take that picture and I would literally hold it to my chest and mm. literally hug it in order to just get through the next ten breaths. Yeah. 
And that became an emblem of my hope and of my, my um, meaning and my vision was my connection to him. Yeah. This person that loves me and accepts me with no conditions whatsoever and that I'm not alone and that it is a we approach. So that was an emblem of meaning and vision for me that worked. But yes. I had to get outside my old religiously rigid, you know, unforgiving, strict, you know, tradition in order to open myself to begin to embrace that meaning. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've, sh- I've shared before on here that, you know, one of the ongoing uh, thinking errors that I have to fight from time to time is, is a sense of inadequacy in different areas, uh, right? Yeah. Professionally, you know, personally, whatever the case is. And gratefully, it's not often. But we all have those days, right, where we just kind of get beat up by the world and we're just kind of questioning like, holy cow, what am I even accomplishing here? And one of the favorite things that I have that I acquired some time ago, I um, actually gave Mark one of these as well, is it sits on my desk. It's an actual, it's an actual widow's mite. Yeah, from, I have from, it on my desk right here with, with the little favorite picture of Jesus I just mentioned. They're together. Yeah, from Jeru- it's it's an actual real deal one, and and if you've ever seen one, I mean, it's incredibly small. It's like a tenth the size of a penny, um, but it's an actual one encased and it's it's hermetically sealed in this little case. And for me, it says a lot of different things, but it's kind of one of you see we we therapists we practice the stuff that we teach. I keep that on my desk specifically because we all have days where by our job or whatever we just get beaten down. Oftentimes in our line of work, you know, there's so much hard that we carry with clients that I, I look to that. And sometimes I just feel like it's never going to be enough. You know, no matter how many people we help, mm-hmm. no matter how many people we talk to or work with, there's, there are, there's so much suffering. And it's a reminder to me, among other things, that all I can do, all, all that I'm expected to do is my best right is to give my two if if all i give is is my two widows mites and i throw them in the bin if that's all i've got today then that's enough right right, right. that is enough that's, that's acceptable enough. yep it's, it's so that's a that's a great analogy so a lot of ways we can utilize this right yeah and so our invitation to everyone listening is two things from my standpoint one Is there meaning in your life, vision and meaning right now from a negative standpoint that has been fueling your tendency to stay stuck, to not be able to move forward, to not have hope? Are there some things, are you willing to at least begin to explore the possibility of starting to let them go? Yeah. And I know they're stubborn. They seem logical. They seem factual. They seem like it's just how it is. Mm-hmm. But can you be willing to start to open yourself? Maybe I need to start to see if I can let go of these. And yeah. you seek your higher power to help you do it. But then the other side is, what are some meanings in your life that you be- can begin to explore and embrace? Absolutely. Like the guy you said, who's, you know, his brother passed and he got hold of that coin and he carried it in his pocket. Like me with the picture of Christ that I, I literally carried, carried around with me for months, 24-7, clutching it to my breast. Mm, These yeah. are the kinds of lengths that we need to be willing to go to to begin to link to new meaning. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it's not passive. It's like I am going to connect myself to this new meaning, and I'm mm-hmm. going to do it over and over and over again so that I can begin to let go of these old paradigms that are keeping me stuck. 
Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I don't have anything to add to that. I, I think it's it does this. This ties into a lot. Uh, uh, some some podcasts we've done of late. We're kind of continuing the theme of, you know, we. It, you've got to find uh, you've got to find something to shoot for. Whatever it takes for you, get visceral with it, right? You've got to really be able to envision it. Open up your emotional mind. Don't just focus on it from an analytical perspective. Conversion always happens with emotion more so than with intellect. Yeah, we we can, you can convince yourself fifty five ways to Sunday all the reasons why logically you should be done with addiction. You've heard it all from your therapist. You've heard it all from us right? <laughs> the real conversion factor is when we can get some emotion behind that and, and help to utilize and harness that concept of what is in this for me? You know, what do yeah. I hope to gain? What so, little evidences do I see that there, that there, it is possible? What little, totally. what little, you know, little rays of light do I see coming in and do I just reject them or do I, do I embrace them and say, wow, I, I see that little thing. There's some hope. Now, yeah. now I'm just going to try to keep repeating that or holding on to it and let it get some momentum instead yeah. of always defaulting back to the wallowing. Yeah. No, let's, let's keep going forward. No, I agree. I agree. All right. Well, this has been a great session. Yeah. It's been a great session, it. guys. Thanks so much for being with us today. And uh, as always, uh, we, we, love you. We care about you. We look forward to hearing from you. Questions, things that you would like addressed on the podcast, you're always welcome to reach out to us at pbscpodcast.com. All right. Take care, everybody. We'll see you. Everything expressed on the PBSC podcast are the opinions of the hosts and the participants and is for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast should not be considered mental health therapy or as a substitute thereof. It is strongly recommended that you seek out the clinical guidance of an individual qualified mental health professional. If you're experiencing thoughts of suicide, self-harm, or a desire to harm others, please dial 911 or go to your nearest emergency room.